Praise God. Well, let's get into the Word today, if you're ready for it. Uh, uh, get out your Bibles and Bible apps and go to Numbers chapter 14. Numero 14 Numbers 14. I started a new uh, message a couple weeks ago, new series uh, called A Different Spirit. And uh, uh, if you're ready for this, by the way, if you didn't... Uh, if you're out of town or something and you didn't get part one, I highly recommend you get part one of this series because I'm adding to that today and, and I think it will have a profound and positive impact upon your life. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24 is our text. It reads, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully... I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. So I want you to notice the cause and effect here that he was able to enter into and enjoy God's best because he had a different spirit. Not because God's will was different for him than everybody else. No, but because he was different. How many know there is God's plan, and then there's our response to God's plan? There's his word and what we do with it. And uh, Caleb did the right thing, but unfortunately the vast majority in his time were not doing the right thing. And so they were outside of God's will, outside of God's plan. They didn't experience God's best for their lives. I know some want to imply that it's the same thing. Whatever God wants to happen will happen. But uh, when we look at, look at the scripture, we see example again and again and again of God saying, I've given this to you. You can have this. This is my way. Uh, but whether you walk in that or possess it is totally up to you. Okay? And in this case, and many of our cases, we're going to have to buck the crowd. We're going to have to go against the tide. Yeah? If we're going to experience God's best, because most people just aren't doing it. They're not willing to, to hear. They're not willing to, uh, to uh, believe the way they ought to and act the way they ought to. And so they get left short of God's best for their life. But we're going to do different, huh? Amen. Uh, let me remind you of these uh, other translations. Uh, the New Living Bible says Caleb had a different attitude. All right. The, uh, the Easy English Bible said uh, Caleb has, a, has thought differently. He has thought differently. And then the Living Bible reads uh, he, Caleb is a different kind of man. So this is, this is the way we want to think about some of these things. Different spirit, different attitude, different way of thinking, and a di really a, just a different kind of person overall. Now, uh, we ought to be different than the crowd. I think we can see that. The crowd is not, is not always correct. The majority is not always right. And God has called us to something better. Yeah? Do you believe that's so? I tell you, it's, it totally is. God has called you to something better than what you will just kind of get by, by passively not participating in his will. Meaning if I don't do anything, if I don't take any effort or make any steps towards doing God's best and having his will in my life, then I'm not just going to automatically get it. All right? And, uh, and so we can be different. God has called us to be better. I like to say it this way. We can believe when others doubt. We can continue when others quit. We can praise when others complain. And we can remain faithful when others rebel. This is our calling. This is what's on the table. This is what our 
potential is. Caleb was one who basically looked at the opposition and then compared that to what God has said, what, what he believed God could do, all right? That is an opposite approach from what many do. See, he looked at the opposition in light of who God was. He didn't diminish what God said because of the opposition, all right? It's a, it's a condition that some people come, have come down with uh, called the yabbits. You ever heard, you ever heard that? Uh, I got a wicked case of the yabbits. All right, what I mean by that is say it slower is yeah, but. Yeah, but in other words, they look at what God has said. Oh, I know he gave us the land. I know this was what he promised. But, yeah, but my wife. <laughs> yeah, but my, my job. Yeah, but my finances. Yeah, but the economy. Yeah, but inflation. Yeah, but uh, the diagnosis. You know, and, and we, could do, we could do this all day long and take what God has said and diminish it or set it aside because of some kind of outward experience or something that we have elevated as superior to God and His Word. Whereas we ought to get, there's a godly case of the Yabbits. It's awesome. <laughs> and it, it's, it, it, works, it works like this. It's like the, the opposition is strong, but the, the circumstances are dire. You know, we got an impossible situation on our hands. And someone replies, yeah, yeah, but God said. Yeah, but he said in his word. But he gave us his promise. Yeah, but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, but the victory of the cross. Yeah, but the devil's been defeated. Yeah, but God is on our side. And we learn. See, this is a different spirit. Most people don't do this. Okay? They react to the circumstances and to the opposition to every negative thought. But they're not reacting with God's word. And that's what we've got to train ourselves to be. It's different than everyone. And we say, but God is bigger. He's greater. He's stronger. He's for me and not against me. We all can do this. We ought to do this. And it really will make a difference. This is the different spirit. All right. Now, the events surrounding uh, what we're reading about, about Caleb being identified here as different than everybody else, is a very famous event in the Bible. Okay, and uh, if you ever, you notice Numbers 14? Do you know what comes before Numbers 14? 13. Numbers 13. Wow, you guys are sharp. Uh, and Numbers 13 is a significant chapter that is mentioned in the New Testament, and it is called something very specific that's not positive, by the way. It is labeled as the rebellion. This is the rebellion. So it's not an event in Israel's history where they look back and say, that was our shining moments. That was when, no, it was a horrible down, uh, you know, negative moment when a whole generation of Israelites died in the wilderness instead of going into the land that God had promised them. I mean, after great deliverance, after great victory over Pharaoh and being delivered from slavery and then going through the Red Sea and having manna from heaven and the Ten Commandments came down, God was moving in a dramatic fashion. And yet in the middle of that, they rebelled. And their rebellion is interesting interesting, because it doesn't kind of have the flavor of, well, we just don't want what God wants. I just don't agree with God. Their rebellion was rooted in fear. Their rebellion was based in unbelief, where they could not, or they, let me say it this way, they would not raise God's word and his promise above what they could see. 
And that's called by God in the scripture, rebellious. Yikes. So we want to read a few of these verses in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, if you know the story, they sent, um, Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan, the promised land, so they could see what they're dealing with. And they came back, and let's pick up in verse 26. It reads, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, just stop there for a minute. That's not the place for nevertheless. That's the yabbat, right? Nevertheless, it'd not be in there right now. That's the wrong positioning, okay? But we'll read it anyway. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. By the way, those were giants. Okay, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and and along the banks of the Jordan. So they gave a brief description of the good, the blessing, and then started elaborating on all the obstacles, all the problems. And if I, I envision this right here, that Caleb was tired of hearing it already. Because right then is when Caleb jumped in. It's like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and you know, grab the mic right now. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go ahead and step in here because this is going south really fast. And so verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So can you picture that? Now everybody sit down. Everybody just chill for a moment. Everybody settle down. Quiet down. I can imagine there's a little bit of a stir. These spies are coming back, back and saying, this is going to be brutal. This is horrible. You think we're going in there? You think we're going to go in there and live? And, the, and it's going throughout the crowd. And they're like, oh, whoa. I thought this was what God gave us. I thought, I thought this, this is the land of promise. This is, we can't do this. And they're starting to complain. They're starting to murmur. So Caleb jumps in there. Verse 30, again, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Okay, now watch. This is the guy of whom it said in the next chapter has a different spirit. This is how different spirit people talk. This is that superior attitude, a different way of thinking. He heard the opposition. He heard the, saw the blessing. He knew the word of the Lord and said, let's go. Let's go right now. We can do this. We can take this land. We are well able to do it. Amen. And I want you to notice something that he said so, so we don't miss it. Um, He didn't say, God is able to do this for us. Notice he said, we are able. This is an important transition for all of us. Because, I mean, I tell you the bulk of almost all Christians, I think, will be quick to say, God is able. Well, God can do it. God can work a miracle. God can supply your need. God can turn circumstances and situations around. And that's true. And that's worthy of our meditation to know how big and how strong and how capable God is. 
But if it stays there, we're still without. And God is just super capable. And he gets our praise. We say, man, you're awesome. He's admired, but we're not changed. See, Caleb didn't just say, well, God can do this. He said, we can do this. And this is the transition we have to make from God is able, he's capable, he's all powerful to I can do this with him. I can, because I'm blessed with the Lord and I have his spirit in me, I can overcome, I can accomplish this, I can take this land. I can obtain the promise. I can be healed. I can have a pay raise. I can serve the Lord all my days. I can quit smoking. I can be a godly example for my kids. I can pass the test. I can get my degree. I can, and you can fill in the blank with with great possibilities, but it's not just, well, I I think God could give give that to me. Because what usually follows that is, but I don't really know if he wants to. But in this case, as in with all the promises of God in Christ, the Lord had already told him, this land is yours. I've given it to you. Go get it. That's why Caleb said, enough with the, the, the fortified city talk here. Uh, let's go up there and get it. Let's go in there right now and take it. And so how do you respond to what looks difficult or even impossible in your life? And so the different spirit is, is revealed to us right here. Caleb said it. We can do this. We can go up and possess it. I think too many people in our day, too many believers, will be quick to quote that with God all things are possible. And that's a good quote, but they won't quote Jesus how he also said all things are possible to him who believes. Okay, and if I just live in the first part, I'm going to be stuck without an experience. But if I realize he is all powerful, he is all capable, and the next part of the equation is my belief. And I can believe in all things happening in my life. So let's go to verse 31. Again, Numbers 13, 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. So you see what the crowd is saying. Caleb said, we're able, we can do it. They said, we're not. Nope. Nope, we can't do this. We're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel, what's it called? A bad report of the land which they had spied out. Saying... The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. For for we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. By the way, that's that's historical fact, both in written history and in archaeology. There have been a lot of giants through history. This is one group of them, Goliath being the most famous, right? But there were whole groups of giants. They were huge. They are massive people. And uh, he said, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So this is the way they came away from this experience is they felt small. They viewed themselves as squishable, <laughs> right? We can be stepped on. We are inferior. We are incapable of what? Doing what God told you to do? How many know God has never told us to do something we're incapable of doing? But it doesn't mean we might not judge the situation that way. We might say, I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't put up with this situation. I'm out of here. 
Uh, but that's not what the Lord said. If he said you can, guess what? You absolutely can, but we have to believe it. Otherwise, we'll have this, this problem. So we must fix our own sight. And our view of self is key to our confidence. Not just our view of God, but our view of us in him. All right. So uh, this is a, a kind of a subject we could really spend a lot of time on, but I'll just address it and show you how it works. God has given us not only examples in Scripture of who to follow, but He's also given us direct statements that are necessary for us to believe them in order to live victorious in this life. All right? Here's, a, here's three examples of this. First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 4 reads, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than than he who is in the world. Now, now, and I want you to notice my emphasis on these phrases, you are of God. Not just God is God, but you are of God. Did you know that's true? Everybody say it out loud. Say, I I am of God. God. Yeah, that's a good thought. Are you sure you can handle this? Well, well, I'm of God. I'm not of the devil. I'm not of this world. I'm not of fear. I'm not of sin. I'm not of darkness. I'm of God. So how are you of God? We've been born. If you're saved, you've been born of God. Born again is born from above. You're born of God. Yeah. That should be a different picture. Yeah, but, but those, those descendants of Anak, they're, they're like massive. I know, I know but, but like I'm of God. I'm not of Anak. I'm of God. That's not a proud statement. That's a true statement. Right? We are of God. And notice, he who is in you is greater. Not just he is greater. That's right. Yes, he is greater. But that's not, the full, that's not what the subject is. He who is in you is greater. I want to be inside, God inside minded. The greater one is not just out there. Well, God is great. Yes, he is. But God is great in me. Because of that, I am no insignificant force walking upon this earth. Amen. If I walk into the mall, it is a, I'm a God-possessed human being. If I walk into my office, I am a God-possessed human being. Now, don't get a chip on your shoulder thinking it's of you, but you are of him. He's not of you. <laughs> Nevertheless, I am of him. And I am filled with him, the greater one. What can stand against you? As a child of God, if God be for you, who can be against you? The other guy in, in Numbers that was in the, in the Caleb camp that we haven't been mentioning much, some of you know, was a guy named Joshua. Joshua, remember son of Nun? Yes. Son of Nun? N-U-N, Nun. I think his dad's middle name may, may have been Chuck. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. That's why he was so tough. No, no, never mind. That's not accurate. But Joshua, here's why I say that. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's the mentality. God is with me. Yeah, but there, 
those giants, the fortified cities. Yeah, but God's with you. Not Joe Blow is with you. Not, well, I've got hired, you know, muscle. I've got bodyguards. No, God is with you. And then Judges 6.12 is a great story about Gideon and how the Lord used him. And the angel said, Judges 6.12, angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Notice he didn't even just stop at the Lord is with you, period. That would be significant. But then he moved on to say, you mighty man of valor. He didn't look like a mighty man of valor. He had never accomplished anything. But the Lord was with him, and he labeled him mighty man of valor. And this is where the children of Israel, they viewed themselves as grasshoppers. And I'm telling you, that's going to hurt us. If ever we're going to overcome and be victorious and do things for God and live God's way, enter into our promised land, I can't view myself as inferior to all that will oppose me. Now, when I, again, I can say it again. We're not of ourselves or taking credit or thinking it's in our own might, but I'm never without God. You know how people will say, yeah, but without the Lord, we're nothing. This is true, but we're not without the Lord. I'm not ever going to be. So I don't ever have to think of myself as nothing. Say, but he must increase and we must decrease. No, that's John the Baptist. <laughs> Remember his ministry was going out and Jesus was coming on? People teach that like we're supposed to diminish and so forth. No, we're not. We're supposed to increase because of him in our lives. Decrease is not the will of God for you. Increase is. Increase in faith, increase in influence, increase in finances, increase in holiness, increase in everything that's light and good in God. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm going up. I'm not going down. See, God was not hindered by the size of the, phys the physical size of their opposition. You can see that greatly illustrated in the story of David and Goliath. I mean, Goliath was far superior to David physically. Far superior. But yet that didn't matter. And David, by the way, didn't sit back and say, Lord, I'm just turning this situation over to you. <laughs> I'm just putting this, over, this, just, this whole Goliath situation over into your hands. Where, what verse is that? No. He, 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 said, he spoke against Goliath and said, you uncircumcised Philistine. Meaning, he's not just talking about his, you know, thing. Uh, but... He's talking about how he doesn't have a covenant with God. You don't have a covenant with God. I do. You're without God. I'm with God. You're coming against me. Bad move, dude. But he's not just going to sit back there and say, Lord, have your way. No, he's going to get up there and run at that giant and saying, you're going down, buddy. I'm taking you out. Why? He knew God was on his side. He knew God was for him and not against him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm having fun. I don't know if you are. Uh, I have this question, and as I, I, I've read this, I've pondered this. I thought all these Israelites, the crowd that was bucking Caleb and Joshua, uh, they were all afraid of the fortified cities and the giants and everything. I thought to myself, why didn't the Lord just send them in there without doing the whole spy out the land first thing? Because they came back with the evil report. Like, couldn't he just skip that? Skip the evil report. Don't even tell them. 
And if they say, well, we better go in there to see what we're dealing with, he could have said, no, no, it's fine. You're good. It's easy. Go ahead and go on in there and take the land. And they would have all gone in in faith. I thought, wouldn't that have been a better way? But then I think about this, and I think about other instances of how God works with people. He doesn't keep opposition a secret from us. It is real. Uh, there are challenges. There are things to overcome. And he's not wanting us to just, you know, believe or pretend that they don't exist. He wants us to be able to look at what we face and, and acknowledge that it's there, but then say, my God is greater. My God is stronger. He wants us to, to believe that, you know, you look at the circumstance and then you look at God and say, I'm in good hands. And I can take this land and I can possess what he has promised and I can enjoy God's best all my days. So it, it, it really does take faith, but that's the way that God is. I'm going to have to believe that what he said is more powerful and more real and it will put me over the top when it comes to what is standing in my way. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're not hiding. That's not the approach we're taking. We're not hiding from what's really happening. We're not to run from challenges and oppositions. Opposition. We're not to, I'm not going to run from my uh, relationships that I can't figure out. I'm not going to run from, uh, you know, a, a job because it gets a little bit hard. I'm not going to run from, a, uh, you, know, or, you know, a trial or test I had with someone at church. I'm not going to run because, no, no, no. Those things are real. Those things really happen. I would like to say, get saved, and it's a flowery bed of ease for the rest of your days. No, that's called heaven. Yeah, yeah we're getting there. In the meantime, we do have challenges and opposition, and we're not pretending that it's not there. But we, what we are saying is, the Lord said I could have this mountain. The Lord gave me this land, and this is called a promise. To us, the promise, the land of Canaan is our healing. It's our prosperity. It's our peace. It's our joy. It's our deliverance. It's our victory. It's all that's included in the Spirit-filled life. Amen. Are there oppositions to the blessing of God for any Christian? They're always going to be. Okay? I, I, I wish I could just have a laying on a hand service and say, no more problems, no more, no more challenges. You're free from here on out. It just doesn't work that way. But we can look at this example. We can follow this model and have a different spirit than everybody else and rise up against the opposition. Think about what the evil report was. The 10 spies came back and they gave an evil report. You know all that was? Is them talking about the problem. Caleb said, we can do it. Let's go in there and get it. They said, oh, hmm, big people. <laughs> Fortified cities. Yee. And all they did was rehearse the problem, the opposition, what they have to overcome. And I want you to notice that because if we're going to be of a different spirit, I, we have to identify our own uh, speech. That's good. Our own, wh what are we talking about? Oh. What comes out of your mouth? Say, well, should we acknowledge a problem for a minute? It's okay. I mean, it's really there. Whatever. You, you t t but it's just this much. And then let, let, let Caleb rise up and say, and we are well, over to, well able to overcome it. Let's go in and possess the land. I'm going to possess the promise. What God has given me in Christ, I will possess that. 
Let that be the, the 99% and let the, the, the stating of the problem be the 1%. And again, God is labeling this. This is an evil report when all we do is talk about what can go wrong and what might happen in a negative way. That's evil. It's not good. I was putting a calculator to this uh, just because I can. I have a calculator and I know how to use it. <laughs> Except for that CE button. I don't know what that does. <laughs> or C. You want, you want you push five or six times? Yeah. Okay, anyway, that's a separate struggle. Uh, <laughs> but I came up with this that 16.7% of the people believe they could take the land. And 83.3% complained. Complained why, and, said, and said they can't. And those people, those 83% convinced the multitude. We can't do it. And it killed them. Their complaining left them in the wilderness and they never got to the fulfill, fulfillment of God's promise. It wasn't God's will, but it's what they got. Enjoy the wilderness. So are you saying like, wow, 83%, like we're stuck, aren't we? No, no, <laughs> that's the reason it's written so we can decide which camp to be in. I don't know if these numbers are indicative of the population at large and says this amount is going to believe and this, is part, this amount is going to rebel. But I, 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 I would say this, if I can see a large number of people going the wrong way, I'm going to have to intentionally go the right way. I'm going to have to be different on purpose because it's not just going to fall in my lap. When, when Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4 about the, the, the farmer, the sower who sows the word, the farmer who spreads the seed, the seed is God's word, and he said... Some fell on this stony ground and the thorny ground and so forth. He described the different conditions of people's hearts. If you do the math there, you see only 25% of the seed fell on soil that produced a crop. Those, that soil is people. 25% of the people are going to hear and receive and produce something out of it. I'm not saying that's 25% of us, but... If you do the math, it shows you something. And even in the good soil, he said, and they'll produce 30, 60, 100 folds. So you do a third of that and you get about eight. Eight percent of people produce the maximum result. Now, again, Jesus didn't say that. So we sit back and say, oh, man, odds are against me. <laughs> no, but he gave us instructions as this is how it works. This is how Caleb spoke. This is how he acted. This is how the condition of the heart is for people who receive and produce fruit. So we can say, okay, I see how it works. Now I know how to be in the 25%, yeah. in the 8%. He's given me instructions. So if most people aren't going to do that, well, that's up to them. But he told me how I can be amongst the producers. Yeah. And this is how we view these stories, especially when we see the crowd going the wrong way. And we say, how am I going to stay out of the crowd? I'm not that special. Yeah, but you're of God. Yeah, but you're reading this, you're hearing this today, and you know you have a choice. You have a choice with the situation you're, you're dealing with right now. You have a choice to stand up and say, I believe God, and I can overcome this, and I will overcome this, and I will possess the promise that he gave me, yeah. and I will walk in victory in this area. You can say that. Amen. Amen. And I, when, I, when I say say that, I do mean say that. Yeah. I don't mean just think it. I don't mean just hear it in church. I mean, literally, your, your lips move. And you get out of, when you get out of here or get home, and you declare, I will 
For God is for me and not against me. He's in me and I will overcome and I will possess the the land and I will walk in this benefit or this promise or this blessing in my life. And I will not be defeated and I will not quit. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you used up all my preaching time again, but let me finish with this. Let me finish with this because I I, I want this to, to land in a good place. So if I could, I just really want it to be applicable and not just theoretical. You know, what kind of giants do you face? What kind of giants uh, or fortified cities stand between you and the fulfillment of what God has promised you? Maybe it's relational strife. Maybe it's financial lack. It could be shame over things you've done or things that have been done to you. It could be failure of, of, of various types. Maybe some will say, What stands between me and the blessing of God is a lack of education or a criminal record or missed opportunities or a physical disability. It doesn't matter what the thing is, whatever it is that says it's not for you or you can't do it, but yeah, or yeah, but. (laughs) But there's an exception and this is the reason and it's trying to direct your, your thoughts and your paths back to the crowd, back to the 83.3%. Back to that evil congregation that believed the bad report, either gave it or received it. And I tell you, gravity floats that way. Or floats, the river floats, runs that way. Gravity pulls you to that way. And and we have to resist that. Amen. If I'm going to fly an airplane, I have to apply opposite forces to weight and drag in order to get off the ground. And if we are going to get off the ground and receive God's best, we have to intentionally apply these principles. In our moment today, what are we going to do? We're going to, are we going to play it safe or are we going to Caleb it? You could Caleb your situation, couldn't you? I mean, you could, you could complain, but that hasn't worked so far. You could Caleb this moment. And it'll make a difference for you and your descendants. You'll enter in what God has given you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, thank you for what you're doing in here. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord. Thank you for the hand of God upon us. We are not alone or without help, but we are of you. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead, and He's alive today. I receive Him now as my Savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. 
Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you. Thank you.